Elliot Friedman coming in with the bullshit right at the start of the, right even before we hit record. I don't like this. You know what? Um, you, you said you got to go out and shovel some snow. And then I had a yeah. thought and then you insulted me. You didn't have and the I, thought. Craig had the thought. Thank you. Craig, thank you, Elliot. Why don't you repeat what you said for everybody, Elliot? Why don't you go ahead and... Uh, and well, we were talking about the snow and I have to shovel and, and Craig said he had to shovel and he says he loves this weather because it's not too cold and beautiful big flake. And uh, big, beautiful big flakes, I think he said. And I said, well, I can see why you like that because you, you work with a beautiful big flake. I think that's a compliment, personally. Oh, yeah. Yes. Actually, no, that's not. No. But I love it. <laughs> Beautiful it's great, big it's a great flake. way to start my morning. You got called a, you got called beautiful and wow. you got called big. I take two out of three. That's not bad. There yeah, well, I'd rather be ugly, small, and not a flake than you know, the flake is the part that that absolutely brings it all down. You know, it's funny. Riff says this is heaven weather, right? Oh, this is heaven. I love this. Says the guy from Northern Ontario who goes and puts in a fire pit in his backyard this year, but has a gas line run to it. There's nothing <laughs> less Northern Canadian than putting a gas line into your fire pit riff. Like, well, we're, like called, you know, listen, build a woodshed, I mean, build I a thought, woodshed and do it properly for crying well, out loud. Listen, where I live, number one, you're not allowed to have a woodshed or a shed uh, of any nature. Craig number lives in two, the Beverly Hills of Buffalo, Elliot. You gotta, you, you gotta know. Number this. two, you have a shed where you live. Why, why not? Um, that is the, um, that's the rules. No wow. sheds in the backyard, nothing. So, uh, anyway, moving on. When I, I when I put in a fire pit this year, Andrew, I was thinking about my neighbors and respecting them as much as I think the fire pits with the wood and the kindling and everything else and the crackling of the fire, there is nothing better on earth than being up at the cottage and doing that. But here it, it's, uh, it's just a little bit different uh, feel, a little bit different vibe. And uh, you know what? Still does the, does the trick. So Elliot, you know, I, l I listened to some of your 32 thoughts from Saturday night. By the way, love the suit combo that you had going oh, there. Thanks. Love yeah. the suit. How many, what, what kind of comments did you hear about that one? Oh, a lot of, I, I got piled on a lot. It was good though. <laughs> like that's, that's one of the reasons I do it. I want, you know, uh, we're all, you know, it's, I, I want people to have a good time with it. I want people to be able to have fun. That's what it's all about. So how close is the Montreal Canadian GM search and, and, and is, is Danny Briere a very likely candidate? He's a very legitimate contender. Yes. Uh, I, I think it's down. It sounds like it's down to three people. It sounds like it's down to him, to Matthew Darsh, and to Kent Hughes, the player agent, if Kent Hughes wants to be considered. And I think he's making that decision right now. Uh, there was some thought it could be today. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's probably going to be middle of the week. But the, the, the Canadians want to conclude this. Uh, and they want an answer if Ken Hughes is in the race or not. And Ken Hughes, for people that don't know Kent, the name, because Kent, yeah. Kent Hughes didn't know the uh, correlation between him and, and the GM Gordon. Um, what What's the relationship? Well, uh, well, Jeff Gordon's a Boston area guy, uh, even though he's the, was the GM of the Rangers most recently. His, his, he's from Boston area. And Ken Hughes, well, Ken Hughes is from Quebec. And but he moved down. He played NCAA hockey at Middlebury College in Vermont, and he moved down to the Boston area. 
Actually, Ken had a brother, Ryan, uh, or has a brother, Ryan, who was drafted 22nd overall by Quebec in, in 1990. And the joke is that, you know, if, if they could mix those two personalities together, they would have gotten a hell of a player. Um, you know, Ken, uh, so Ken Hughes and Gordon, they know each other from the Boston area. And uh, they've just become friendly over the years. They've done some deals together and Gordon really knows him and trusts him and wanted to bring him in. I, like, like I think before the GM process even started, when Gordon was uh, signing with the Canadians, uh, Hughes was someone he had targeted and said, do you want to come work in the organization with me? And at the time, Hughes said no. They went through the surge, but they were always going to go back to him and say, do you want to be part of this? So I think they've gone back to him right now, and he just has to make up his mind. Is that Does the leading candidate like, if he wants to uh, I, take that I, position? I think so, yes. yes. I do think so, yes. Okay, so I again – I does it sound like they're I don't know who else is out there. I mean, they're maybe you could share some names of other candidates that have had experience GMing in the league before, but with a franchise like Montreal, I kind of feel like, is this the direction that you want to go? I, I love Danny Briere. I don't, but I don't, I don't, I mean, maybe he turns out to be a great GM, Matthew Darsh. I, I don't know what he's been doing. And, and Kent Hughes, okay. Yeah. He's in Tampa. Right. Okay. So thank you for reminding me of that, but I guess, no problem. So, I mean, is this the, 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 this, it sounds like it's an unconventional approach to hiring a general manager. I mean, it, it like with a franchise like Montreal, I would have thought that their fan base and Craig, you played there would have wanted somebody with a big name and status that has experience GMing in the league. Is it, am I wrong with that? Or I think you have to look at this a little bit differently. I, I think instead of getting caught up in the titles, that's one thing that happens to people. Sometimes I think people get, too caught up in titles. My question is, where's the seat of power? And the seat of power is with Jeff Gordon. He may not be the GM, but he's running the hockey operations and he is making the decisions. And so what he's going to do is he's going to have somebody with him who is you know, going to be sort of the face. Um, you know, Gordon's not French. It's a big deal there, um, obviously. And they need somebody uh, in the position who can communicate in the province's primary language to much of their fan base and sort of grow into the job. I, I think Briere would be perfect if it ends up being him. I think he'd be a great choice. You know, I mean, you guys know Daniel. And the other thing, too, is, you know, if you look at Daniel's path in hockey, nothing has ever been gifted to him as a player and now as an executive. Yeah. He started, look, he's running an ECHL team. He's learned the business. Um, you know, uh, that ECHL team is owned by Comcast in Maine. They're owned by Comcast, which is the owner of the Philadelphia Flyers. So he understands what it's like to work in a corporate environment and do all the things that you have to do to be successful in a corporate environment. Last weekend, their American Hockey League team, Lehigh Valley, they had a couple COVID cases among the assistant coaches. So Daniel went on the bench and he coached on Friday and Saturday night as an assistant for the Phantoms, you know. I think, you know, I think he's learning this the right way. And, you know, to be honest, guys, if I'm the Philadelphia Flyers, I, I'm wondering, do I want to lose this guy? Do I see him as somebody who's got a bright future in our organization and we want to keep him? And, and I do think those discussions are being held as well. He's all class. Right? Like he's such a classy guy and he's he's so well respected for probably the reasons that you just mentioned that nothing was ever handed to him and gifted to him uh, throughout his career being a late first round pick 
to being traded. You know what I mean? Out of out of Phoenix to Buffalo. Waivers. Yeah, was it wait? Was he yeah, waived? waivers? Yeah, waivers. Phoenix. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's definitely, yeah, he's he's earned his stripes. Now, I, I guess if he doesn't end up in Montreal. Could he be snatched up by somebody else rather quickly? Like, let's say mm, Buffalo Sabres. Look, I think that his star is on the rise, right? I, I think if he wants to, he will be a GM some way, you know, the way his path is going. And, um, you know, I, I, so, I, yeah, possible. Like I said, if he doesn't end up being the GM in Montreal, I wonder what Philly's going to do here. Are they going to say, like, I've heard that they really like him. Um, I've heard they're really impressed by the job he's done, his willingness to learn, his willingness, you know, to learn in the in the East Coast League, basically, as opposed to at the top. And so I think the first question is going to be is what the Flyers say about all this. Um, you know, how do they, do they promote him internally in the organization? And I don't necessarily think to GM yet, but in a position where he gets a promotion and he becomes more important in the day to day running of the Flyers. Um, you know, that's kind of what I'm wondering. So like, look, like, you know, I think he'd be perfect for someone like Buffalo. And I think you guys are going in the right direction anyway. I know it doesn't always show up on the ice and the game against Detroit on the weekend was a real dud. And I know there's an afternoon game this today, but um, you know, I think you guys are are kind of going in the right direction, but I don't think, you know, with the willingness that Briere has shown to learn from the ground up, I think he'd be an asset to any organization. Yeah, I, I just look at Danny Briere and and how he played his career. He 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 thought the game and. Uh... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, you know, at a completely different level than most guys in the league. He's, you know, highly offensive. He just thought the game. I just look at these young guys that are not quite here yet. They're not here. Um, they're going to be here very soon. You know, the J.J. Paterkas, the the Peyton Krebs, the Jack Quinn, um, Owen Powers, like these players um, are very, very skilled hockey players. And I, I think that Danny Briere can, can relate to these young players too. I'm just wondering... I just find in the National Hockey League now nowadays that, you know, GMs are not making decisions just by themselves. OK, mm-hmm. it's uh, unless you have an older statesman of a, of a GM that uh, is old school. A lot of these GMs do it by committee. I mean, there's there's a tremendous amount of dialogue that goes in behind the scenes before they make any single move. Um, so it's not just one singular uh, GM making decisions. I look at you know Kevin Adams um, has been put in this position to you know try and drive the Sabers in the right direction. And it's going to take time. I mean, you can't speed this process up. You're going to Mm -hmm. have to go through a little bit of heartache to allow those younger players to develop. But I just wonder if it, if, you know, Kevin Adams could move to a position of, uh, of president 
you know, you have Carmanos who is, who has been in this game a very long time um, and bringing in a guy like Daniel Briere. And I know the fan base, every single person known to man would be, would be happy with that move. Well, the Sabres need a president of hockey ops at some point. I mean, like in my opinion, and if, if, if Kevin Adams doesn't move from GM to hockey ops to hire a GM, I mean, I, that's just where I think Danny Briere would be an ideal fit if he weren't to get this job. And, and, but that's, that's my own personal opinion. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, the one thing I, the one thing I completely agree with you with is that I think a true leader is someone who is not afraid to surround themselves with people who are willing to disagree with them. You know, one of the, one of the reasons I like working with BXA on, on hockey night and a lot of the other people I work with at hockey night is that if they think I'm full of it, they'll tell me I'm full of it. And I think you need that to have a good organization. Yeah. Um, you know, Craig, like, for example, you were part of leadership groups when you were with Koivu in, in, in Montreal was, yeah. was he afraid of anybody telling him Saku, like you're an imbecile with this stance or Joe Thornton or, or, or in San Jose, like Thornton, he strikes me as the kind of guy who really loves it when people disagree with him. He loves a good argument and defending his position. You know, yeah. I, I think that's the way front offices should work. I, the weakest front offices I've ever heard are the front offices where um, someone says that doesn't allow people to disagree with them or like that. That's, that's not how the best decisions get made. Yeah. Well, you know, listen, I mean, uh, the, the head guy is going to make the, at the end of the day, it's your call. It's your exactly. call. Yeah, exactly. You're the one who has to go and address the media and talk to everybody um, as a player situation, you know, dealing with Saku Koivu and Sheldon Surrey and players like that behind the scenes. We were all very good friends, but we were all not afraid to give our opinions and we were all had different opinions. They were all strong opinions. When I was in San Jose, Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, um, Kyle McLaren, uh, you know, Mike Greer, Jeremy Roenick, we were all in the room together. And believe me, there's a lot of personality in there and there was a yeah, lot right. of different opinions. And at the end of the day, you know, the, the top dog made the opinion and I was okay with that. I was just, uh, I was uh, a support guy. I was an assistant there and I gave my opinion and I, then I stepped back and said, you guys, you guys take, take, uh, and do what you want. I'll, I'll support you either way. That's the most important thing is, is to have people that are going to give their own opinion, whether it goes against the grain and then be able to step back and support whatever decision is made. That's the most important. Are you privately support publicly? Exactly. And I think Kevin Adams, the way, and just knowing Kevin for, for, for a number of years now, he is a listener. He is going to take in as much information as possible. Even if he, even if he doesn't like what he's hearing, he is going to listen to it because at the end of the day, he's the one who's going to make the decision with all this information that he, that's being brought in. So I like your fortune. I, I liked your fortune cookie wisdom there, Elliot. Are you privately support publicly? That's good. I like that. I never heard that before. Really? You've never heard that before? Well, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, that's I don't, a genius statement, right? That's there, just right? for me. That's the flake coming out, Elliot. I just, I, I never heard that before. It sounds good. Sounds good. And logical, by the way. Um, speaking of logical transition, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, you know, you, you got Connor McDavid out in Edmonton uh, with some, I, I mean, he took some heat. 
he's been taking some heat a little bit for his comments, uh, yeah. you know, just about, you know, the idea of Evander Kane coming in yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing here with, and I might nail the quote cause I watched it a few times because so many people were upset and disappointed with what he said. He, you know, we're talking about, he was asked about Evander Kane coming to the team and he said, look, if fans don't like it, if, um, if media doesn't like it kind of in a way too bad, I mean, is that, is that how we're supposed to interpret that? Or is he just, does he just not want to deal with this stuff? I think it's, it's both, you know, if you go back and you listen to that whole clip, he should have just stopped after the first sentence, which was basically, you know, we'll talk about this if it, if it happens, but he just kept going. You know, the, the number one thing that I, I thought after watching that, that clip was, I just didn't understand how in this day and age, he, he knows he's going to be asked the question. Why doesn't he have a prepared answer for it? He didn't, he wasn't prepared really well to answer the question. And, um, and what know, was the question? What was the basically question? about Evander, about how you feel about Evander King coming to Edmonton? You know, why wouldn't, to, why wouldn't he just be like, you know what? I'll answer that question when he comes. Well, basically he, that was the first thing that came out of his mouth, Craig. And then he kept rambling. And, yeah. you know, that was where he got himself into trouble. That's what, you know, the, like, it just surprised me because McDavid, he has a plan. When he goes on the ice, he has a plan, right? He knows what he's going to do or what he's going to try to do. And he just didn't have one for that media conference. And you, you have to, you, you know, you're going to be asked that question. You better be prepared to handle it, it properly. Um, and, and, you know, that's what I would have said in his shoes, or, or I guess instead of that's what I would have said in his shoes, like if that's the way he wants to attack the question, then he should have stopped right there. Um, look, I, I think it's, it's, it's a couple of things. It's Evander Kane is a, you know, anytime you mention his name, it's, it's a three ring circus, right? It, it's a five alarm yeah. blaze. And, you know, you should see my inboxes whenever I report on him. I get a, a bunch of people, you know, saying um, you're not taking a hard enough stance on this guy. And I got a bunch of people calling me a racist for, for not defending the guy. So it's, it's, it's something that, you know, whenever you mention it, it's, it polarizes people. People are very polarized about Kane and that's just the way life is right now. So I think that whenever, you know, if your team is considering adding him, you have to be prepared with a very good answer to the question because every word you say is going to be under the microscope. Yep. And that's where I thought it wasn't handled very well. I mean, yeah. the other thing now, guys, is, is Edmonton's going very poorly. So you've got, on one hand, you got people coming after you about Kane. And on the other hand, you've got people coming after you because your team is terrible. And if you saw, if you saw McDavid after the game on Saturday night, he had the thousand yard stare going that night. I think what you just said is absolutely right. I think, I think the comments that he was, or the, the, uh, would I say venom? I mean, he, he seemed pissed off. I mean, he seemed really kind of irritated and I don't think it has anything to do with Kane. I think that's about, that was more about everything else going on. And I think it was just all coming out there. Like, if you don't like it, if you don't like it too bad, you know, like, I think that was an opportunity for him to kind of, vent but have it covered up by the question of Kane I think he's furious with the with the analysis of his team I think he's furious with how everybody's writing about him and and uh 
and the rest of his team and with the expectations. I mean, he's got a ton of pressure there. Yeah. Oh yeah. And also he hates losing, you know, like, like losing sucks, losing absolutely sucks. It's the worst. And you know, that's, that's the other thing that people forget here. I mean, you guys, you guys played in intense markets, Montreal, Buffalo, really passionate, a lot of pressure. Um, when you lose, it sucks. And, you know, like they were 16 and five, they were number one in their division. I think they were number one in the league and now they're out of a playoff berth and they just had a, a horrible loss to Ottawa. Like, how do you think he feels now? You know, moving in another direction, you know, there has been a lot of talk about Evander Kane signing. Obviously, would do wonders. I think uh, for for Edmonton, he's kind of the, the exactly the type of player that they need. Mm-hmm. What what are you hearing on the trade market right now? Um, I'm also hearing Josh Anderson and in, in in Montreal possibly could be on the market. Brendan Gallagher, you know, there's going to be guys names come up. Is there a is there a name that's uh, keeps popping up uh, for you right now? I think that a lot of this stuff is going to be happening. Um, in the next, I think a lot of these teams are having their scouting meetings right now, Craig. Yeah. And I think you're going to start to hear names really start to get out there in the next week or so. The thing about Montreal is I think Montreal is going to do a teardown. Like, you know, Sherratt is obvious right now because he's, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent, but I do think there's going to have to be a conversation about Gallagher, a conversation about Anderson, and even a conversation eventually about price. What about and Toffoli? And to Foley, like everybody, like yeah. to me, Montreal, who are they not going to trade? They're not going to trade Caulfield. They're not going to trade Suzuki. Um, you know, they're not going to trade like one of their young prospects, like uh, Caden Gould. Uh, like, I, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to trade guys like that, but I think they'll do, I think they'll do just with anyone else. Like at some point in time, there's going to be conversations with all these people about how they feel. You know, the tough thing in some of these cases are going to be the contracts. All of those, all of those players still have term. Um, not to Foley so much, but Anderson does and Gallagher does and Price does uh, and Petrie does. And I think that they're going to have, have to have conversations with these players about how do they feel? What do they want to do? Do they want to go somewhere else? I mean, the key thing with Price is he's got to play. He has to play. And once he comes back and shows he's healthy, I think they'll start to sit down and figure out what his future is going to be. Oh, I'll tell you got, uh, Montreal sitting in last smile. place right now. Montreal yeah. sitting in last place right now. Arizona game today. It's huge. I will tell you this. My son watches every Montreal game. He really? He's on his Montreal toque. He's walking around with his, uh, he had a Domi jersey that was signed by, uh, by Domi and uh, he is a huge Montreal fan, huge. He was born there and it just, that's, that's his team. Okay. Um, He played against Shane Wright growing up. And I'm going to tell you right now, he wants nothing more, nothing more in the world than to see Shane Wright put on a Montreal Canadiens Jersey. That would be huge for that. What's your son's name? Nate. Nate. Okay. Yeah. How old is he? He's uh 17. Okay. And he's turning, big... eight, turning 18, yeah. And he played against right? Yeah. Where? What's brewing in your head there, Elliot? I want to, I'm I'm making a note of it. 
just in spring in spring tournaments when they were younger, when uh, he played, uh, he he's originally from Burlington. Shane Wright's originally from Burlington, played in Burlington for years, but then moved to the GTHL uh, to play. And then he played up a level, but he had, you know, my brother, I, I had told you about in the springtime, uh, had Shane Wright on, on his, the year older, the 2003 team. Yeah. My brother literally was like dumbfounded with how good this young man was when he was 13 years old. So Mm -hmm. anyway, we, we, we know we've, uh, we've grown up in the Shane Wright era and, uh, he's a heck of a hockey player. He's a heck of a person. And, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands. And I just look at uh, the Montreal Canadians sitting at the bottom of the league right now. I'll tell you, Montreal would, uh, certainly be picking up, a a future captain in that, in that young man. Well, you know, I'm, I, can you imagine, well, it's going to make all everybody listening to this Buffalo based podcast, just absolutely nauseated. But Montreal, with the number one pick in Montreal at the draft this year, picking Shane Wright first overall, and Nate and Nate Reve leading the cheers in the crowd. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No question. Uh, that, that's great for us, Elliot. Thanks for pointing that out. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's like we get enough hate from time to time. You know what I mean? Um, we won't keep you too much longer here. All Star Game. I mean, it's it's coming up, and I. You know, I don't, I don't like, I don't like how every team has to have a representative there. I, I, I just, I can't stand this. Rasmus Dahlin, as skilled as he is, does not deserve to go to the all-star game. He's not an all-star. And yet here he is going to the all-star game. Why, why are, why are we doing this? Why is it not best on best? I mean, why are we not fine? I don't care if there are five players from one team. Why, why is it going this this route, you know, it, it, this is such a debate. Um, I, I every year I hear this, uh, and you know, to be honest, I don't have a huge rooting interest in it. I, I don't, I don't get, I just, I don't get wound up about all star games. I, I just don't. There's enough to get wound up in the world that I don't get wound up about all star games. Um, but there are people who feel your way. But there's also people who feel, and one of them is the commissioner. He has always believed, give every market a reason to watch your all-star game. And you know what? In Buffalo, you guys are such great fans of hockey. You might watch it anyway, but he wants a saber there. Uh, You know what? I'll I'll watch Darlene in the skills competition for sure. I mean, well, let me say this. I'm not a fan fan of the all-star game. I can't stand the three on three. I cannot stand the three on three format. I, I hate it. I hate it. Now I understand why they're doing it at the end of games. I wish they'd get rid of the shootout and extend three on three hockey. If that's what we have to do, quite frankly, I'd like to go back to ties, but I'm old school, but I hate the three on three. I hate the, the three, three on three. I want to watch the three ago, on three. I'll go over to Craig's and watch the kids playing in the back pond there. The three on three years ago was incredible. I was hoping that it would end tied because then you got to see the best players in the world literally flying and coaches have, like they coaches were, have ruined it. They ruined the damn thing. Yeah. It is the worst. It is a snail's pace. It is awful to watch. It is absolutely terrible to watch and and i 
how how do you do it? How do you screw that up so bad where a couple years ago you had Austin Matthews and Mickey Marner and you had Riley and then, you know, you have all these insanely high-skilled offensive players flying around on the ice. It is, I, I, I'm just, I shake my head at what's going on and how, they, how these coaches are able to slow a three-on-three game down. I, it's unbelievable. It's boring as hell. The coaches have ruined it. I, I agree with you. I, I think the way to do it is to, is to take the three-on-three to 10 minutes. And, you know, I, I would say take the three-on-three to 10 minutes. I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I, I would love to see that occur. Last thing I'll ask you today, Elliot. And, I like your uh, fireplace, by the way, Andrew. Yeah, it's it was roaring, but then I'm keeping an eye on the log because one of the logs kind of rolled off to the side. Oh, so it's eh? not it's not a gas fake one. It's like a real one. No, it's it's a real it's a real fireplace. I got yeah. I just had a, a whole cord of wet wood delivered. But <laughs> they delivered the thing was soaked. I'm like, what what is this? Take it back. He dumped it. I'm like, put it back in your truck and bring me a dry batch. Um, <laughs> but Sabers. We got to talk some Sabres. Um, I, had a, I had a message sent to me the other day and someone saying that, you know, major changes. I mean, you know, major, like there are, you know, major changes to me aren't, isn't player personnel, major changes coming to the Sabres organization. And I'm just wondering, and I've been racking my brain on it because that's all he gave me. And I'm just wondering if maybe it circles back to your 25th thought a couple of weeks ago on 32 thoughts about, private equity firms buying stake in, in teams for a minimum of 20 million or a maximum of 30%. Now I wonder if that's something that, because we do know that the Pagulas have been trying to sell a portion of the team. So I was wondering if you'd heard anything of the sort or, or could it be something along the lines of Kevin Adams moving to president of hockey ops and hiring a general manager, maybe a Daniel Briere, if he doesn't get the job in, in Montreal. I'm bringing Briere's name into it only because of the Buffalo connection, but, and that's something I would love to see, but I'm just wondering if maybe you've heard something of the sort. You know, I told you what I heard about any potential sale. And that is that, um, that nothing was going to happen until after the bill stadium was sorted out that, you know, that, um, you know, they understood that, you know, here you are trying to get a Bills stadium and any thought that the Sabres were not safe under their leadership could be a real problem for building that. So until I'm told otherwise, I stick with that opinion. Uh, as for the Kevin Adams situation, you know, th- they have maintained they're not hiring a president of hockey ops, at least the last I checked. And again, to this point, uh, I haven't heard anything different. You know, to be honest, look, like I understand that the Sabres fans are frustrated with their team, but I do think, and, and they didn't like the way Eichel was handled, which I completely understand also, <laughs> but I do think you guys are going in the right direction. I, I think that you've made some really good hires in the front office. Um, you know, people like Carmano, Sam Ventura, um, I, I, it's it's too hard to say 100% that it's going to work, but I, I, I kind of like where you're going. And I, I don't, I, you know, the Pagulas have always said they don't see the need for the president of hockey ops. You know, we'll see. I, I just, I haven't heard anything different. How many teams do not have a president of hockey operations? Well, let me just go through, I mean, go through the list. Let's do it right now. Um, 
And after um, 10 years of being in this situation and the Pagool is not liking the um, idea of a Florida, no Tampa, no Toronto. Yes. Rangers. He's the president and GM Carolina. No Washington. No Pittsburgh. I don't know what you'd want to call that Boston. Yes. Detroit, Iserman's the seat of power. Columbus, I don't, I don't know what you'd call that. Philly, no. Devils, no. Islanders, well, you've got the Uber boss there. Buffalo, no. Ottawa, no. Montreal, yes. And, you know, Montreal was a team that said they weren't going to do it this way, and now they are. Colorado, no. Nashville, no. St. Louis, yes. Vegas, yes. Kings, no. Anaheim, no. You know what? There's a lot of people that don't have it. Yeah, that's a lot more than what I thought. A lot uh, more than I thought. thought. You know, look, like like I said, I just I just think that the Pagulas want to get that stadium done with the, with the Bills, right? I just don't think you're going to fool around with anything that could cost you votes in getting that stadium done. Well, you win a Super Bowl, and I think you have carte blanche, do you not? You'd think so. The house that Josh Allen built. Man, here's a Twitter poll. I just don't understand. Josh Allen or Jim Kelly? What do you mean you don't understand? I don't understand why they both have to be connected. The Sabres are, are, you know, it's, it's, it's hockey. The bills are something completely different. If you're looking for a stadium, they shouldn't be, you know, connected. But they are. It's politics. And we'll end on that. We'll end on that. Elliot, fantastic. Thanks as always, man. All right, guys. Have yourselves a great week. Thanks, Elliot, too. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Rivet 52 at the Instigator 76 And you can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.